Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. It's, uh, I mean, we're kind of wet. I know in Tinsall, Concordia, we're in Catahoula, we're kind of damp. Some places wetter than others. Some places just got just enough, but we've had a little rain. I got R.L. Frazier's, and I think he's in Madison today. You up there, R.L.? Yeah, I'm in Madison today. Just made it back from Baton Rouge. And like you, we finally rain. We got some places that are really wet and some that finally got an inch of rain last night. So okay. uh, thankful for what we've got. Well, I know that uh, you, you were down in Baton Rouge for 4-H-U. Uh, Kylie's, she was down there. In fact, Kylie, I think she's on her way back this morning. She had to stay down there again last night. So we, uh, we always end up seem like, uh, doing more. The other things going on besides just ag sometimes with the ag center. Oh yeah. Some of these larger 4-H activities, they, they bring several of us in to help, uh, yeah, you get you know, put on these contests and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know, uh, you helped with the, uh, I was with the compact tractor. Compact tractor. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the compact tractor. Kylie did the uh, entomology contest with C. Brown. In fact, she sent a tweet out from uh, a picture from a couple of kids doing their presentation at that. I saw that uh, when she sent that out. She was, uh, but she's, I don't know, she's, she told me she had to be, I think she was coming back this morning helping get all the kids back this morning. Then then you get to go spend two days at the horse show next week, baby. Yeah, I get to go horse around next week at the district horse show in Monroe, or West Monroe at Dyke Hamilton. Okay, well, you know, I'm, I don't have to go. So I'm I'm going, be going to a couple of these field days we'll talk about here a little bit later. Um all right, this week is a little bit different since we're all kind of out of pocket and running around doing different things. Uh, we got, but we do have some specialists this week. We got, uh, I've got some comments from Dr. Daniel Stevenson. He said he didn't have much other than just a couple little things. And then we got an interview with uh, Dr. C. Brown, extension entomologist, and we got Dr. Trey Price, uh, northeast plant pathologist. So we're going to get into that in just a second here. Uh, Dr. Stevenson, let me tell you what he said. When I talked to him the other day, he said the number one concern for growers right now is pigweed. They need to be on top of it, getting their residuals out, making sure they get them when they're small. If they're going to try and kill them, get rid of them because they will make seed, and they will be can be awful small when they make seed, So, and they make a lot of seed. So pay particular attention. Don't let them go to seed. And um, Dr. Stevenson also said that when we get closer to harvest, he wants to come back and I guess we'll have a whole podcast with him. Um, talk about fall weed control. Mario, uh, you mentioned this uh, with him, this uh, prevented planting where we got all these acres along the river. What we're going to do with that. Uh, that's something that, that we're going to have to look at because we got, well, I know uh, several thousand acres. It's... Uh, more than you can imagine is not won't get planted this week alone in these parishes along the river. Yes, what was it? You and I roughly added some of them up. Could very well be over fifty thousand acres up and down the river that won't be planted. Oh, at least. I mean, I know, I know in Tensaw County, the Concordia. I'm gonna say it's gonna be, it's gonna be right at forty thousand, probably thirty between forty and forty-five thousand. 
from those three parishes, and you got probably at least another twenty. So yeah, I, I probably got at least. I'm guessing can't, it's hard to put a, a definite figure on it, but somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen to twenty thousand, probably in East Carroll, another five thousand, possibly in Madison. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 amazing. You don't realize how many acres it is that were affected by the river between backwater and seep water and just laying across the levee that's flooded, just flooded land that won't be planted. So uh-huh. uh, it's been in the land's laying out and it's growing up. So that's going to be a major problem. But Dr. Stevenson said we, he wants to come back and about harvest time and let's get a plan and a podcast. So here's your plan. This is what you got to do. You got your regular after harvest stuff. And then we got all these lakers you gotta, acres you got to deal with. Let's uh, let's come up with something. But he said he'll he'll be glad to come back and talk then. So sounds like a a good plan, and I think a very informative podcast for our producers. Yep. All right. Well, I think that anything, I think that's about all, other than just things going along. So we'll just go into these interviews, and I'll introduce the first interview, and that was uh, Miss Kylie Miller while she was down at 4HU in Baton Rouge. She did the entomology contest with Dr. C. Brown, who's a state extension entomologist, and she interviewed him, talked him into doing a little interview, and then she also got Dr. Nathan Lord, an assistant professor in the Department of Entomology, and got him to do talk on there too. So, okay, what, Kylie, go ahead, let's get started. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Today, I'm joined here by Dr. C. Brown. Um, and Steve, why don't you tell us about your new title? So I am the uh, field crop extension entomologist for the state of Louisiana, based out of the Dean Lee Research Station in Alexandria. Okay. Um, so what have you been seeing in the field this week? So in cotton, we're starting to pick up more plant bugs migrating out of corn and alternative hosts. And these, most of the cotton is range anywhere from 10 nodes to first bloom. And so uh, plant bug numbers are starting picking up, and we typically see that about this time of year. Uh, we have seen some flea hoppers moving into our cotton. It's knocking off a few small squares, but the main focus is going to be tarnished plant bug. We normally don't see too many flea hoppers, but they are out in the mix. Uh, cotton aphids also showing up as well. Uh, typically with hot, dry weather and cotton that's pre-bloom, we're going to see a lot of cotton aphid infestations. There are those out there as well. Um, spider mites have been very spotty. Haven't got too many phone calls on spider mites. But if the hot, dry weather continues and a lot of the plant bug applications continue, then we can very easily see spider mite populations uh, show up in our cotton very quickly. Okay. Um, Have you seen any applications for aphids or anything go out this week, too? So quite a few producers have made applications for both aphids and plant bugs. So depending on the situation, uh, the growth of the cotton, there's been quite a few go out across the state. Okay. What about soybeans? What have you seen in soybeans? Soybeans have been pretty quiet outside of South Louisiana. South Louisiana, we're starting to see red banded stink bugs pick up in uh, beans that are roughly R3 to, you know, increasing in maturity R3, R5. And so uh, we see uh, normally an immigration of red bandits from alternative hosts into R3 soybeans, you know, across the state. But Louisiana, you know, especially South Louisiana, is starting to see it a lot worse than North Louisiana. Okay. Um, and I know there's in corn, you know, what can you tell me about corn as well? Uh, so right now our corn is, we've, we're past the tassel stage. We're starting, to, we're starting to dry down. We're at brown silks. And so as this corn's starting to approach dent, 
Uh, a lot of the corn earworms are going to pupate and they're going to move out of the corn and they're going to move into cotton and soybeans. Okay. And so that's something we typically see is that July 4th week is to see that's a big corn earworm migration out of corn into cotton and they start laying eggs. Okay. So that's something guys need to watch out for. Okay. No applications. You haven't heard of anything? Not, not any yet. We're still a little early. We're about a week and a half out. So the earliest egg, we we'll might see an egg lay next week. And the earliest, but a lot of times across the majority of the state, we'll see that July 4th week is typically our big week for uh, corn and worm egg lay. Okay. Well, let's talk about rice. What's going on in rice and what have you been seeing? Uh, I haven't have gotten no rice phone calls thus far. Rice is all over the board when mm-hmm. it comes to planting. Um, you know, guys have, I don't know of any that's starting to hedge yet. Mm-hmm. And so rice stink bug applications haven't been going out because we're not physiologically at the right stage yet. Uh, rice water weevils, i Typically don't get a whole lot of phone calls on those anyway, but most everybody uses a seed treatment that controls those. So uh, we normally don't have a whole lot of rice issues, at least from what I've experienced thus far. Well, that's good so. news. Um, and I know there's not much milo or, or grain sorghum around the state, but if, if there's anything you could talk about that, that would be great. Uh, Sugarcane aphids are out there. They're uh-huh. starting to migrate off of Johnson grass into mm-hmm. our grain sorghum. <clears throat> um, guys need to be very proactive with these. They can... Um, they can quickly jump on grain sorghum. Uh, our threshold is 50 aphids per leaf on 20% of the plants. Okay. So that's a, actually a very low threshold because these insects can do a lot of significant damage. And so with a lot of our grain sorghum at boot are close to heading, if not heading. That's a very susceptible stage for sugarcane aphid and grain sorghum. And so guys need to really be watching diligent, uh, di- diligently scouting their grain sorghum for sugarcane aphid. Also, once the uh, grain sorghum starts to head mm-hmm. and starts to put on blooms or starts to bloom, you have to watch out for midge. And so the presence of Johnson grass in or around the field typically exacerbates your midge infestations. So uh, if you've got a lot of Johnson grass and heading, uh, heading grain sorghum, or especially if it's heading uneven, then you need to really uh, be on the lookout for midge as well. Okay, well, thank you, Steve. Um, we're also joined today by uh, Dr. Nathan Lord, and he works for the Department of Entomology here at LSU. Nathan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and what are the, some of the services you offer? Sure. So I just started at LSU about a year ago, and I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Entomology, and I primarily teach the graduate-level classes on insect identification um, and insect taxonomy and systematics, basically mm-hmm. how to tell apart and how to identify insects. I'm also the new director of the Louisiana State Arthropod Museum, or LSAM as we call it, and that is the state of Louisiana's single largest collection of insects, and we exist so that we both serve as a reference collection for all the insects that can be found in the state of Louisiana, as well as abroad, but also as a, uh, a resource for entomologically related research as well. Okay, is that located here on LSU campus? Yep, right here in Baton Rouge. We're in the fifth floor of the Biological Sciences Building. Okay. And we have about uh, a million specimens of dried pinned insects that we use for ID and and probably about a million more uh, in in bulk samples. Wow, that's really cool. Um, I didn't realize that we had that down here, Mm -hmm. so thank you for sharing that. Um, 
if you know if someone had to had an I guess a wasp or something and they wanted to get it identified are you the one that we would need to reach out to yep so we do offer identification as a service and that's one of our main services to uh, Louisiana and you'll either contact me or we have a full-time curator Victoria Bayless who's been at LSU for 30 years okay and uh, there used to be uh, you can still find it maybe on certain parts of the internet a, a a $20 fee associated with identification, but that is not true. It's okay. no longer there. Uh, so if you do find that, you know, no checks or, or $20 bills need to be sent in. Uh, we are happy to try to give a preliminary ID from a picture if you snap it with your cell phone. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the event that we need to see the specimen, we're glad to, you know, have you plop it in the mail and we can help you understand how to best ship it to us. And then we can do our best to get a to get a name on it and get you some extra information. Okay, um, shipping like, would I need to soak it, put in alcohol, or do anything special, or would that depend on the insect? Yeah, it kind of depends on the insect, but I always say the safest way, the best way, is just to get some isopropyl rubbing alcohol in a, in mm-hmm. a vial or any sort of small container. Uh, and send it that way that just helps the insects when they die from shriveling up and we need to be able to see the structures to be able to hopefully uh, get a positive identification okay well I appreciate you sharing that with us and uh, thank you for being a part of the program today and also thank you Steve as well all right okay well thank you Kylie that was very good for now uh, we have Mr. Dennis Burns from Tinsall Parish that's going to be talking with Dr. Trey Price, our area uh, pathologist, about the current uh, crop situation with diseases and outlooks for the Northeast region. And I know he was just in Madison Parish this week with peanuts and trying to guide these guys. So, Dennis, carry on with Trey. All right. Right now, we're going to talk to Dr. Trey Price, the Northeast region plant pathologist about what's going on what he's seeing i know we got some corn disease beans are getting to the point you're thinking about spraying beans with a fungicide uh, trey are you there yep i'm here all right good tell us a little bit about uh where uh, where we're at you know with um with corn let's start with corn you know um what are you seeing most corn's moving along pretty good uh, i know we have some later planting stuff but I think we've got it corn ranging from uh, tasseling to probably uh, approaching dent in some areas. That uh, just depends on the field you look at on as far as corn stage goes. Uh, throughout the season, uh, northern corn leaf blight has been very light. You know that can be a problem in rainy years, uh, particularly if you got corn following corn, uh, reduced tillage. And uh, a known susceptible hybrid, uh, you know, those are the fields you'd want to scout for northern corn leaf blight to keep an eye on it. Um, the other thing we've seen all season is common rust. Uh, we don't spray for common rust in Louisiana. It's not really an issue for us. Uh, but it, it can be confused with southern rust. And uh, we confirmed southern rust actually this morning uh, from samples from South Franklin Parish uh, in, in corn. So that's something we need to scout for, particularly in our later planted stuff. Uh, you want to look down low. If, we, if you compare southern rust to common rust, southern rust is going to occur mainly on the tops of the leaves, you know, on the upper surface. Uh, it's usually a little more orange yeah. than, than common rust. 
Common rust is more of a brick red or darker orange color. And with these hot temperatures, common rust is going to be played out. So it's not going to be, it's not going to have much color to it at all. It's actually going to have to turn to kind of a tan color at this point. Uh, southern rust will be easily noticed in the field. Just a kind of a, 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 a not super light orange, but, but more orange than, 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 than common rust. And again, it's on, just on the upper, upper portions of the leaves. If you see southern rust and you, and you haven't had a, 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 well, actually, it's going to be pretty difficult to find southern rust in, in fields where growers have already treated with the fungicide. I know we have growers in the northeast part of the state that they're going to spray with the fungicide no matter what. So in those fields, you're probably going to have a hard time finding southern rust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. In the fields that are not treated, that's the ones you, you want to scout. And, of course, the later planted ones, the ones that aren't very far along. Uh, you need to make your application decisions based on crop stage, you know, the, the prevailing weather. If we've got a weather pattern of, of frequent light rains um, and, and not really heavy, you know, not heavy downpours, but frequent light rains, and we're going to have the warm temperatures, that's going to drive the southern rust epidemic. So, uh, that would definitely be a concern. Also, you know, always economics is always a consideration. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different fungicides that work on southern rust, and and all fungicides do not cost the same. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would tend to, I would lean towards recommending a generic uh, propiconazole, a tebiconazole, a generic azoxystrobin uh, plus propiconazole. Uh, somewhere along those lines, whatever is available at the dealership okay. or uh, distributorship. So. Right. Well, let me let me ask this question then. Sure. We don't have a lot of them. They're not, they're not prevalent, but we do have a fair number of center pivots on corn. Um, yeah. Should they look at treating corn irrigated by a center pivot? Should that be a more... Uh, not a, I'm not going to say a requirement, but possibly a uh, a thing you it might can, want to do. You, you, you can exacerbate ec- epidemics with a center pivot because you got that overhead irrigation. You're splashing the spores around. And if you're watering, I mean, if you're just constantly watering with it, if you're on really droughty soil mm-hmm. and you're having to water all, you know, basically nonstop to get around, uh, I would definitely be concerned, particularly if you've got some some younger corn. Okay. So. Well, pivots can definitely exacerbate it. Well, when you said a, a light sh- a showering rain, and that describes, I mean, a pivot puts out, most of the time yep. they put out an inch, so, I mean, it's not a heavy rain, but it's, you know, it's, but it goes out pretty yeah. consistent on corn, at least once a week, so, or, or more often, as, like now, as it's warming up and it's in reproductive, filling out a ear, they're trying to stay mm-hmm. ahead of it. You know, you got to stay ahead with a pivot on corn. So. Yeah, sure. On the lighter soil types, uh, you know, particularly, you know, here at the Macon Ridge Station, we, we're praying for a rain here. We're dry as we can be, mm-hmm. um, and we're just having to keep our walking system going back and forth constantly, just to try to keep up. Yeah. So. Well, it's uh, Concordia's got Concordia and parts of Tensile. We've had we're wet. I mean, we're wet. I know. We're wet at, at our house. It's wet. Now you get up towards Newton. It's it's. They didn't get as much rain, but it's uh, it's scattered around. But we've been kind of fortunate. 
with what we've had the last two weeks. Uh, let's talk about soybeans because we got a bunch of soybeans that are blooming. They're getting to the point. Most of them, well, not most, a lot of them. Some of them have passed their R3 and R4. Uh, what about soybeans, fungicides? Yeah, as far as diseases in soybean, I haven't I haven't seen any. So uh, they've been very light so far in soybean. Uh, as far as fungicide use goes, um, you know we have fungicide resistance in a lot of our, a lot of our pathogen populations. So that's something that we need to consider. The other thing, I mean, you basically have three camps. You've got uh, producers that want to manage reactively. So if there's not a problem, they're not going to spray, which is okay. Uh, we've got producers that are going to put out one application no matter what. Uh, and we've got producers that are going to put out two applications no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that depends on that depends on the producer and their preference and, and their uh, and what they, what they budgeted in their operation. It also depends on the location in the state. Generally, the further south you go, the more often uh, our producers and the more apt they are to put out that the two shot program at R three and R five. Yeah. And it's just they're just going to do it automatically. Um, I think if you're a producer and you're going to manage reactively, or if you budgeted one application, I would uh, I would scout your fields. If you don't see any disease, give it a week and come back and look at it again. Uh, if if a problem presents itself, most of the problems that we that can pop up in soybean, we can manage reactively. Uh, there are exceptions to that, such as Cercospor blight. Uh, that one's been uh, tough to predict. We do have a few fungicides that we've seen activity on Cercospor blight in the past several years. Mm-hmm. There's, a, you know, there's a handful of them. So yeah. there are options out there if you're concerned about Cercospor uh, blight. But for the most part, I generally recommend to manage our soybean diseases reactively at this point, considering. Uh, our commodity prices and our the economic state of farming at this you know at this day and age it's, okay we've got some guys that are having some tough problems getting by financially and managing those input costs is key to staying in business so yeah. that's uh, kind of the approach I take to it okay one one more thing about soybeans taproot decline um, mm-hmm. is I mean I don't think there's not anything you can do about it is it well you can rotate Rotate works and tillage operations work. Okay. The main thing is rotate. We see taproot decline in fields that are two, at least two years of soybeans or more uh, with reduced tillage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other option is there may be some varieties out there that are resistant. We've, we've completed a greenhouse screening. It's a little late for that because everybody's planted at this point, I hope. Um, and but there are some commercial sources of resistance. If you planted a field, and it's say it's third year soybean, and, and you've got reduced tillage out there and a lot of soybean debris, and you don't and you don't see taproot decline in that field, more mm-hmm. than likely that variety has some degree of resistance. So okay. you can use your own experiences. You can use our data if you want. Uh, that's available. I put it out on the web. Oh shoot, several months ago. So. Yeah. Uh, as far as seed treatments and infer options, it's a little late now. Everybody's probably planted, but yeah. we haven't identified any seed treatments. There are some infer fungicide options that uh, look promising at this point, but I don't have enough. I don't have enough data to make any solid.
situation going on yet. So, okay. well, we're I working just, on it. I just know that this year there were beans ended up going behind beans. They were supposed mm-hmm. to be rotated, but due to weather or conditions and you know replanting, some cases maybe replanting or preventing mm-hmm. planting, and you know say on corn, and then they had to come back with soybeans. You ended up with beans in the same field two years in a row, and I just wondered if. Just, you, know, you, you definitely have an increased risk there, it, you know, and I always try to encourage our, our producers at, at meetings during the off season to remember remember what variety you planted and where you planted it because mm-hmm. you could have you could actually uh, you know look up and identify one if you've got a history of taproot decline on your farm and you find a variety that yields where you need it to, yeah, and and is resistant to the disease. Well, you need to remember that one. I mean, because that's the one you want to plant. So yeah. okay. that's where, it, as long as it's available, the seed well, companies kind of rotate them out pretty quick. Yeah. Well, and, and resistance is, you know, is the best. It's the cheapest thing you can buy. You know. Absolutely. It resistant varieties cost exactly the same as susceptible ones. That's right. You know, and, and most <laughs> and and most of the time they yield just as well. So you know. Especially yep, when most you take, time they're comparable. You know, yep. especially if you take in an application of a fungicide or yield loss, they they do pretty well. So that's uh, exactly right. Anything exactly right. anything else that we need to be aware of, think about, is anything in cotton? I haven't seen any cotton. Uh, we should have cotton blooming very soon if we don't already. Some of the earliest mm-hmm. planted stuff probably is blooming by now. Um, as far as diseases go, as soon as the canopy starts, you know, you start getting close to canopy closure. Yeah. You need to start, uh, you know, scout for some target spot, and that that disease is rain. That, that disease is driven by rain, rainy weather, frequent yeah. rain events. So if we if we've got good cotton weather, you know, pretty much hot and dry, mm-hmm. with with an occasional shower to go on. Yeah. Um, you're not going to have to worry about target spot. Okay. That as long as as long as you don't have too much nitrogen out there and you can maintain your your plant canopy, not let it get too rank. Okay. Um, those are that'd probably be pretty key with target spot. But that's the next thing that's coming. Um, probably down the pipe. That and some soybean diseases. I anticipate seeing some soybean diseases pop up here right. before long. All right. Well, good deal. Well, we appreciate you sharing all that with us, and we'll. The number one thing I took out of everything you said is scout your fields. Yep, that's right. You got to get your boots on the ground and know what's going on. Yep. So, <laughs> all right. Appreciate it, Trey. And look, if anything comes up, don't hesitate. Call and we'll 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 make time to stick you on a podcast sometime. You know, just kind of if you got something earth shattering right. for us. All right. See, yes, same here, and I appreciate y'all putting this information out there as always. All right. Thanks, Trey. Yes, sir. Take Good. care. Now, I had to throw that in about my peanuts. Oh, hey, just keep the peanuts. We're going to have to do a peanut one here for a while. Yeah. Uh, we might catch Boyd up here next time he comes and sees him. Mm-hmm. And, okay. Well, kind of wraps things up but our for this week's podcast. But before we go, Dennis, I've uh, been seeing some tweets on the Arkansas uh, page uh, about Row rice and pink buckets and bill bugs. How did all three of these tie together? Well, RL, I, I, I think I forgot to mention this to you, but I volunteered you, you know, for something. What's uh, new? You're always volunteering me for something well, and then informing me about it. Well, you know, it's kind of slipped my mind, but the buckets. Anyway, I talked to Dr. Nick Bateman, uh, University of Arkansas 
entomologist, rice entomologist up there. I talked to him last week, I guess, and there the bill bugs are showing up in some of their rice. Bill bugs for us with paddy rice are not a problem. They're always on the levees, but they don't really, they're not really anything to it. They don't go in the water. Well, row rice is a whole new world, and they're, they've discovered some problems with them up in Arkansas, and they're starting to do some research on them because basically they just don't know a whole lot. And so about control, about damage, just scouting, they just, just really a lot of unknowns there. And so they're starting to do some. They're going to do a survey. They've got a grad student. As part of his program, he's going to be doing a billbug survey in the pink buckets. The pink buckets, you set them out on a turn row, and the billbugs like to get under them for some reason. And pink is the, is the color. I don't. He didn't know why, but pink is the color. And he said, you put the bucket out there and... Uh, you come back about once a week. You pick it up. And you count count them as they run out as they're underneath it. So he said they bury into the ground right on when you you know when you pick the bucket up. He said they'll run off. They just kind of try and bury in the ground. So when I was talking to him, I said, "Well, we've got row rice." I said, "I don't know whether we have. I don't know whether we have bill bugs." So he's supposed to be seeing about with putting the grad student in contact with me and where we can get some buckets and. Put them out on some fields just to see what uh, what's what we got and if they're around. So so you'll be getting a bucket or two. Okay. Yeah, I see. They look like they were they were having a lot of problems with folks picking up their bill bucket. I mean their pink buckets, messing up their survey because they just thought it was an empty bucket sitting on turn row and picking it up and using it for whatever you use plastic buckets for around yeah. the farm. Well, so. that's- we might have that problem too, but we'll get uh, Kylie's pretty good about being drawing stuff and making signs, and we'll we'll get us some signs and put on them says "Do not remove." You know? Yeah, I think where they had actually had to do something, laminate it and attach it to the handle. Please don't, yeah. do not remove. This is part of a research project. Yeah, but that we'll we'll probably have to do something similar, or they may send their little thing with it. I don't know. I haven't I haven't talked to him this week. Uh, I just saw, like you say, I saw on Twitter where the buckets they got their buckets, so. Uh, we'll see. I've got a call into him, and he'll he'll call me back, and I'll see about getting you some buckets. You know. Oh, that's all I need. Another project. That's it. You know. But but anyway, well, is there anything else going on we got to mention before we do the calendar? Not that I know of. Everything's kind of beginning to fall in place finally, and just moving right along and getting ready for the hot weather. All right. Well, it's. I think the heat index today, I think, is supposed to be over 100, so everybody be careful. So it's uh, drink plenty of fluids. Keep plenty of fluids in you, definitely. That's it. Go, take your time, and we're not in that big a hurry, especially out. I know as people using poly pipe and getting ready, thinking they're going to have to water right now, even though we're a little damp now, but we'll be watering next week without another rain. So be careful out there. Uh, let me do the calendar of events. Uh, we got the... Rice Research Station Field Day is next Wednesday, the 26th, starts at 7.30 in the morning. They'll have tours and talks during the morning, and then they'll feed you lunch. The Dean Lee Field Day and Expo is uh, at Alexandria. next. It's next Thursday, the 27th. It starts at 2.30, and it's pretty much going to have horticulture, 4-H, FCS, ag stuff. It pretty much to bring the whole family. And then they'll feed you supper that night, I think it's 6.30 with an expo. There'll be an expo there of vendors for ag vendors and different ones to talk to. Uh, the last thing is the row rice and 
and soybean tour here at the Northeast Research Station on July the 9th. That starts at 4.30 in the afternoon, and that'll be, uh, we'll have, they'll think they'll have supper here with it afterwards. So a few things coming, that's the ones coming up and for the next couple of weeks, and we'll just keep adding to as we go along, you know, this on this, keep everybody abreast and let you come to some come to some field days and see what we got going on at the Ag Center. Anything else, R.L.? Very good. No, just always we're asking folks to feel free to contact us, drop us a card, email, put something on Twitter, let us know what you think about our podcast, uh, and if you got a topic you want us to, to look into and possibly discuss on the podcast, we're always open for suggestions. All right. Good deal. Well... All right, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Thank you. Next week, then. All right. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.